Is refactoring enough? Can we simply write it, write our software so that it works and then clean it up later? My name is Eric Normand, and these are my thoughts on functional programming. Well, the short answer is no, we can't do that. Um, I actually gave a talk about this a couple years ago. And here's my attempt at explaining why refactoring, though it is an important idea, is not enough. We can't just rely on being able to clean stuff up later. So, um, for thousands of years, Aristotle and his physics was deemed the best explanation of physics that we had. And many philosophers spent their careers trying to reconcile all the problems with it. So it was just taken as as gospel, I guess you could say, as given that Aristotle was right, and then there were all these exceptions that didn't really fit in what he was saying. So what did Aristotle say? There's uh, Aristotelian physics is kind of a, a mishmash of different explanations for how things work and what's the sort of natural order of things. And one of the things that uh, Aristotle um, put in his physics was an idea of ideal place. So ideal place basically says that light things float up and heavy things go down. So this is why you find rocks sinking to the bottom of the ocean and then so there's water on top of the rocks and the dirt and then there's air on top of the water. Air, its ideal place is on top of water. And you can see that this explains quite a lot if you just pick... Oh, and it's why rocks roll downhill. You know, everything has an ideal place. And you can see it does explain quite a bit if you... If you just want a basic explanation that would satisfy someone who's not too curious, right? And you could just make a list of, like... You could just rank order all things from heaviest to lightest. And you would have a decent explanation of where do you would expect to find stuff. And then the reason stuff moves, like rocks roll downhill, is because they're seeking out their ideal place. Now some things, like animals, can move of their own accord. And when they move of their own accord, it's smooth and natural motion. That's, that's what it's called, natural motion. It's motion that comes out of the thing itself. But then sometimes you get knocked around. You get hit by a, by a cart or, a, or a, a bull strikes you and you, your limbs are flying and you, you, you like trip and you just fall over and you're flipped over, and that is called unnatural motion when you get jostled by something. 
Um, there's ideal speed. So ideal speed is the notion that heavy things move slower than than light things. So you can take a small rock and throw it very far and very fast, and you try to throw a heavy rock and it does not go as fast. So you can see that it's a, it's kind of a mishmash. There's no relationship between any of the concepts except maybe like heaviness, right? The how heavy something is, the weight of something. Um, but it's really not a like unifying theory. So along comes Newton, and I'm going to totally simplify this story. Like it, I'm not trying to do justice, and I'm not going to be able to do justice to all the people who came between Aristotle and Newton. I'm just going to use them as tokens of tokens of this accomplishment human accomplishment that we have as a civilization but Newton um, came along and created a different system of physics and that system has three laws Newton's laws of motion is what we tend to call them and they relate a few key concepts those concepts are mass, distance, and time. And with those con- and force, okay. So with those with those concepts and the relationships between them. So you have um, F equals m a. So that's a relationship between force, mass, and acceleration. And acceleration is a relationship between velocity and time. And velocity is a relationship between distance and time. Okay, so you see how everything is related to these very basic concepts in there. And so that's F equals MA. You have um, equal and opposite reactions. So you have... Um, uh, that it states that forces come in pairs, so, and then it it, it talks about the direction of the forces that their the magnitudes are equal, but their directions are opposite. And uh, oh, the third one. Oh yes, the the that unless your uh, an object is acted on by a force, uh, it's not going to change its course, right? So. The, if the sum of the forces equals zero, then the velocity is unchanged, right? Delta V is, is zero. Okay, so with those laws, you have a different system of physics, but it has much more explanatory power and much more predictive power. So Aristotle could explain a little bit but it was very hard to predict stuff. There was a lot of corner cases, we'll say. And you can kind of see how Aristotelian physics came to be. It's like people had all these questions, and Aristotle answered them. So 
people asked him, he was a teacher, so people asked him, why do rocks sink to the bottom of the ocean? And so he just comes up with a name for that. Oh, well, that's ideal place. And why is it hard to throw a heavy rock, but it's easy to throw a light rock? Oh, well, that's, that's called ideal speed. And you, you, you can see that he's aggregated all these little explanations for things and it feels kind of good you can say yes oh i i see there's ideal speed so all i have to do is kind of learn about what all the ideal speeds of things are right and then and that's kind of like a wisdom that you can develop over over time as you as you go through life right you can sort of say oh wow wood wood it has a different ideal place than rocks. Okay, that I, that means something. But what you're actually doing is just aggregating all these little use cases, all these user stories. What happens if I drop a rock in the ocean? What happens if I blow air under the water? It like tries to rise up. What happens if I throw a big rock? What happens if I kick a little rock? Like there's all these user stories that then have a a little bit of explanation. You know, you could even call it code. Like, if I'm trying to make a metaphor here where uh, where in modern agile software development, we tend to uh, list requirements as user stories, and then we write some code to uh, to satisfy that user story, and we never look at the whole, right? We we just solve each one individually, and uh, you know we somehow still make software, right? But what we're doing is what Aristotle did, and like I said before. People spent thousands of years dealing with all the corner cases. Um, the corner cases of like why wood, a big piece of wood which is heavy, doesn't sink. Right? It, it, it's heavy like a rock, but it doesn't sink. It's because it's not about weight, right? We know that now. But, but, for a long time, that was a very difficult problem. There's all sorts of issues with all the different concepts and and how they work for, you know, sort of the average case, but then on the edges, there's all these issues where they don't work. And that was the main job of a physicist back then. It was to, like, try to reason your way through why why things still make sense, even when they when they're clearly inferior or they were clearly not working right okay so Newton's on the other hand Newton's physics uh, laws of motion is very elegant it's a handful of concepts all of them are measurable other concepts are defined in terms of them so it's kind of like an axiomatic system and there, those concepts are related in a few very succinct algebraic formulas. 
You can use calculus to uh, to to show how they interrelate, and these are called the laws of the of the theory. And it it has a ton of explanatory power. And the the another thing is that the exceptions are choices that you make. So you might say, well, I'm going to ignore friction. Even though I could model it in the problem as, as a force, I'm going to ignore friction on this problem because I know it's going to be insignificant. Um, and so you're choosing to ignore stuff um, in this model. And you can always add stuff. So, you know, people add stuff like hydrodynamics and other stuff that's, you know, added on to this basic, like, kind of billiard ball system. It's not, it's not like modeling shapes and things like that because those aren't important if you're, you know, on a frictionless, frictionless plane uh, like the model shows. It doesn't, it's not the real world. That's for sure. It is an idealized system that still has a lot of explanatory power. Okay, so all of that is to say that you cannot refactor Aristotle into Newton. Newton is not just a cleaned up, you know, let's organize the code, rename things, and and make it clearer, make it beautiful clean code. No. It is a totally different model that is incompatible at a fundamental level. And I think that this is also true in our software systems. That there are different abstractions that are just not compatible with each other. So you couldn't you couldn't refactor one into the other. It's not just a matter of cleaning it up. So refactoring which is defined as changing the the structure of your code without changing the behavior, you need to change the behavior of your code to move from something like Aristotle to something like Newton. And what that tells me is that the choice of abstraction is much more important than having clean code. Because cleaning up code, we know how to do that. It's, it's just, you know, moving stuff around, it's renaming stuff, it's making it neater you know, we just clean it up. But changing the behavior is a totally different animal. And it requires, especially if your abstraction is like deep in the core of your software, changing the abstraction will require a lot of surgery. Like it will not be easy. You're going to have to be pinching off 
uh, arteries that are gushing and you know it's not going to be an easy task uh, so my whole thing is that like I, I had in the last episode the core abstraction is something that can give you a business advantage and it's not something that you can just arrive at with a million user stories even if they're the right user stories User stories might be good for modifying existing software that has good abstractions at the core because what you're doing is simply simply adding on different UI elements or changing the UI. Uh, but if you've got the wrong abstractions at the core, you're, you're not going to be able to, to capture that advantage. You're not going to be able to clean up what you've got to make it more like what you're looking for and what you really need is some kind of leap like from Aristotle to Newton where you've got something that's a mishmash of concepts with a with like it's mostly corner cases to a unified model so that you can actually rely on it and um, something as as simple as as possible to give you the properties that you need to solve your problem all right uh, tell me what you think if you agree that this is an interesting idea or if I'm uh, simply uh, making a an analogy between two things that aren't really related. To me, this is the main thing that that I like doing is going in, figuring out where the abstraction is, what's the important stuff, what properties need to be, be preserved, and creating a model in the software that is elegant because you know everything's just going to be piled on top of it. And so how do you do that? How do you get in there? How do you extract out this model from the... It's really from the domain. You don't extract it out from the software. Like I said, you, you can't just clean it up. You have to come in, use use the version they have as a prototype. You know, consider it like, okay, you've, you've proven that there's a market. You've proven that this is possible to do. But let's learn a little more about the domain and really do this right the first time. Awesome. Uh, if you think, if you like uh, what you've heard, if you don't like it, if you disagree, I really love having discussions with all my listeners. So you can contact me on Twitter. I'm at Eric Normand. And I'm also Eric at lispcast.com via email and also like and subscribe share with your friends because sharing is caring all right see you later